No Directions Gen Con 2019 seminar coverage is brought to you by Roll for Combat's new Fall of Plaguestone Pathfinder 2e actual play podcast. Featuring Stephen Glicker, Jason McDonald, Rob Tremarco, and No Directions own Lauren Sig and Vanessa Hoskins. Find it and other Pathfinder and Starfinder podcasts, interviews, and reviews at RollForCombat.com. No Direction presents our Gen Con 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. We'd like to thank our seminar team, Lauren Sieg, James Ballad, Vanessa Hoskins, and me, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. We'd also like to thank Peyton Smith from Paizo for helping getting this produced. This content and more great seminar coverage, as well as Pathfinder and Starfinder content, is available at NoDirectionPodcast.com. Hi everyone, welcome to The Art of Pathfinder. Um, my name is Sarah Robinson and I am one of the creative directors at Paizo, mostly for the art side for both Pathfinder and Starfinder. And to my left is... I'm Wayne Reynolds uh, and I'm the uh, artist. Am I the main, I'm main, the main artist, artist for Pathfinder? For Pathfinder. Uh, so you may be familiar with my... <laughs> um, so I think today what we're going to talk about is uh, mostly some characters from the second edition of Pathfinder, um, mostly what we changed or uh, what we added. Um, we're not going to focus on any of the Iconics for this panel because tomorrow is going to be the Meet the Iconics panel with me, Wayne, and Eric, and we'll talk about, go more in depth of the um, what changes to the Iconics that we made for Pathfinder second edition. So um, we'll start off with the Dwarves. And I don't think much really changed with the dwarves. Just kind of looked maybe like their body shape, their head shapes. Well, maybe something to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something changed with the dwarves. I mean, before we before we start, one of the things that we that was really really important with the development of Pathfinder Two is right from the very beginning when we did Pathfinder One, right from burnt offerings, we did the goblins and. My remit was, hey Wayne, design a goblin, but it can't it can't look like any other goblins from any other games. But it's still got to look like a goblin. It's got to be recognisable as a goblin. Now that's quite a tall order <laughs> to do. And I went through a few iterations, and you may know the story of how I came up with the idea of the goblin faces. It's all to do with the bath sponge. Maybe that's one for another time. <laughs> but the same remit was for the other ancestries in Pathfinder. So with the dwarves, dwarves had to be kind of unique to Pathfinder and Galarian so that these are recognizably Pathfinder and Galarian dwarves. So as soon as you see it, you go, oh, that's a Pathfinder dwarf. But at the same time, it's, it's still got to register as a dwarf, um, and and that's and that's where some of the difficulties come in. We did change the dwarves slightly. I don't know if you remember. It was it was it was here like three years ago, mm -hmm. and I'd done some thumbnail sketches. Showing you the thumbnail secret sketches. meetings, secret meetings. <laughs> yeah, on the fly meetings. It's it's things like this are, are great because I get to kind of hang out with Sarah. We get to talk about art, and I get instant feedback. We can bounce ideas off each other. So the dwarves have changed slightly in that they've kind of got what I'd call a T-shape going on with their faces. So they've got really deep-set eyes, and the bridges of the noses 
are really, really wide. And this all ties in with their iconography. And with this one here, you can see that the faces on some of their jewellery and stuff, we decided that dwarves were really, really big into ancestor worship. So they have faces on their jewellery and armour. These faces represent people from their past. Uh, they could be a great uncle, a brother, a sister, um, a grandmother. Um, but these are quite stylized. So we decided to do the dwarves similar to that stylization, that T-shape with a wide nose. And I thought, well, you know, if they're, if they're doing stylized images of themselves like this, maybe it's because they kind of look like that. And that's where that came from. And then there's kind of like iconic images of animals and things like that, which represent either like an animal companion or they could represent a moment in history. They're very, very rooted in, in history. So they kind of like do like a lot of these kind of little items that represent part of who they were and where they came from. It's a big, big, important thing, the dwarves. And also, I think for the shape of the dwarves, I think we kind of made them more like a um, mountain shape because that's right. They're yeah, from yeah. The, uh, what was it? Five Kingdoms. They're from the Five Kingdoms, right? So almost every dwarf has like a, um, a mountain shape to them. So that's that's kind of like tie them to their where they're from. Yeah. So having a, a recognizable silhouette is very very useful from a design point of mm -hmm. view as well. So that even from a distance, the viewer goes, oh yeah, that's a dwarf, I recognize that from its silhouette. Uh, and with the dwarves as well, we, uh, we started doing these little, uh, these little blades, these kind of clan blades, which are made from minerals. And they, we kind of says, yeah, let's, let's make them from different minerals. The idea came from uh, uh, the iconic shaman, Chandria. Uh, and she's kind of like got this mineral blade, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe this 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 isn't just her kind of thing. Maybe this is a a dwarf thing, uh, mm -hmm. and it kind of tied it all in uh, with Shendria's kind of um, ancestor worship idea, and I just extended that into the dwarves as as they were, uh, so that yeah, we kind of get a recognizable culture, a recognizable culture that's completely different to the other ancestries and, and that was one of the important things. Yeah, I mean it's good to have a race that has um, something very recognizable that you can spot out like right away. Um, so then if in future art you'll see maybe um, maybe some of the dwarves will have the same kind of blade or um, jewel on their weapon so then you'll instantly know that they're maybe they're from that tribe. You may not, we may not say it in words but I mean you'll um, start to recognize different kind of uh, tribes that are within the dwarves. Yeah. Do we have any of the uh, dwarf items? No. Oh, yep, we do. Oh, there we do. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. So, the, and the dwarf items, you can see that they've got these little faces on dragons or animals. And again, these are these are all representative. They all represent something that's important to the dwarf whose weapon belongs to him. And likewise, with the look of the dwarves, we've done the same with the weapons as well. So that the weapons and the items, so if you look at a sword, that's clearly a dwarven sword. But not only is it just a dwarven sword, it's a pathfinder dwarven sword. 
And this is the kind of ideas that we are putting together to to give Galarian a recognizable mm -hmm. kind of feel to it. And that's very important for when other artists draw for Pathfinder. I have to like you know make sure that they put these kind of items into their characters as well, so they all kind of tie into um, Pathfinder. So that's something recognizable as well. Yeah. And then... I, I, I love doing these. <laughs> I thought they were brilliant. All right, elves. Um, elves didn't change, did Not they? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I think they still have the alien look. Yeah. Um, the long face, the kind of upturned um, eyes, big eyes. Um, yeah. No white, no whites to their eyes no as well. Spara. And then, um, yeah, I think the el the ears have kind of just stayed the same. Um, one thing about Pathfinder Elves is that their ears are more straight up and down instead of um, going out. And um, it's really hard to keep that in line. A lot of artists like to make elves, you know, those long ears. And almost every single time I get an illustration from another artist, I have to tell them, ears, straight up and down. So that's one of the things that we have to keep out of, um, keep an eye on all the time. Same with eyes. Um, to make them sure that they don't have any whites in their eyes, they're all just that the, the dark eyes. Yeah, their their eyes are kind of like diagonally shaped uh, in their skull as well. Mm -hmm. So, and that's that's a real sort of difference to to any kind of human eye. And it, the idea behind it was that it had to kind of look a little bit unnatural, so that when when you look at it, you think something not. I mean, not quite right there. There's something a little bit otherworldly going on. I felt that that was that was an important aspect to the elves to kind of have something that that yeah just just kind of puts you on puts you on edge a little bit. <laughs> then if we move on to the next slide, yeah, with the elven armor, um, and I'm taking inspirations here again. It it couldn't look like dwarven armor, all dwarven armor, dwarven weapons. It's kind of like all very angular, um, sort of uh, intricate dots and uh, blocks, diamonds, squares. So elves had to be a lot more freeform, uh, and especially with kind of like a lattice work of intersecting uh, curves and arcs um, to form regular patterns. Um, and more elegant as well. More, much more elegant. And the idea for the armor is it's a supposedly a little bit insectoid. So it's kind of very, very smooth uh, in interlocking plates uh, into sort of like quite elegant shapes so that we kind of like get this elongated figure. Um, and again, using that theme that this isn't this isn't this isn't a Tolkien elf. This is a Pathfinder elf. They're different. Yeah. So that you from a, a look or a glance, you go, oh yeah, Pathfinder elf. And again, that's that's an important aspect. And again, more elegance, I think. Much more elegance. Very streamlined. Yeah. Very very streamlined. Um, and the blades are kind of like elegant as well. We'd kind of like with the blades, we'd we'd come up with this lattice work mm -hmm. at the bottom, which I mean, structurally, in real life, <laughs> it's no, it, it, it wouldn't work. But and the, and this is this is a point that I think we should stress as well that 
this is this is a game based upon an alternative reality where there's magic it's based on imagination you know where you get hexapodal flying horse lizards and people that shoot ice out of their fingertips <laughs> you know so the impossible happens science and the laws of physics just get routinely ignored so you have that opportunity to let your imagination really really run wild so that yeah if you want a sword that's got lattice work down near towards the tang then yeah why don't you have a sword with lattice work because it looks cool because it looks cool <laughs> and that's a lot of it is is yeah we does it does it does it work in real life <laughs> no does it look cool oh, yeah it kind of does right let's go with that and then some more elves I think. some more elves I, I quite liked um, designing the elves uh, and again these kind of like uh, doing these shapes that are slightly reminiscent of insects um, with this uh, lattice work uh, and really really kind of organic shapes uh, to kind of like create these elven looks I think we have the weapons as well yep there yeah there we go uh, and again, you see the lattice work uh, in the blades, uh, and it's all very, very flowing, kind of visual aesthetic, mm -hmm. uh, which is a juxtaposition to the dwarves. Gnomes. No, gnomes. <laughs> see, gnomes, we really, gnomes needed a lot of love, because gnomes were kind of neglected, really. It's certainly within the fantasy genre. And gnomes were, they were, well, what are gnomes? Are they kind of like dwarves without beards? Are they kind of small elves? And we just went, no, they are neither. <laughs> 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 and, we, and we went, ah, do, do halflings have pointed ears? Or do gnomes have pointed ears? Gnomes have pointed ears. So we put that one to rest as well. Yeah, I see gnomes as maybe like, small children like yeah they're very childlike they have um a little innocence to them um they like bright colors uh so i think the most this is the recognizable things about gnomes is their eyebrows and um i think we we've, we've done a pretty good job bringing that all across the board so um and then if you go to the next slide there's their yeah, gnomish weapons. <laughs> weapons. And, and, and again, the, there are similarities to the sort of elven aesthetic, whereas elven, the, the elven aesthetic is more symmetrical. You're still getting the flowing shapes here. Uh, and gnomes really, really like organic shapes, so, but they don't like symmetry. So they like something that looks as though it's grown, um, rather than something that's kind of like yeah structured um so the other their uh their clothes they like big hats we decided they <laughs> like big hats um and the and the bigger the better um their clothes are kind of like all really intricate as well they're like swirls and sort of organic shapes and these kind of like flowing shapes um and sometimes shapes that just don't make sense they like quite abstract things um, it's and it, which kind of like makes 
creating gnomes and doing the design work for gnomes quite fun really because you can really really push those shapes mm -hmm. out uh, to create something that yeah is just is just really really unearthly and again you're kind of like pushing the shapes out so the from a human aesthetic and you're looking at it and thinking there's something something not quite right there but that's that's what we want you to think that there isn't something right there yeah because i mean they look like they would be they would they are friendly people which yeah. i think they are but i mean they could really they could really do some damage to you too. yeah yeah i think it's down to the player really yeah. isn't it <laughs> And then, so if we go to the next slide, there's some more gnomes. Some more gnomes again with, with their hats. Um, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gnomes like a lot of stuff. They like collecting things. I mean, it was kind of one of the things that that James really liked, mm -hmm. wasn't it? But yeah, they collect things. They, they keep it. They're yeah. pack rats, um, and carry it with them all the time. So yeah. And then next one. Another one, another gnome. Another gnome. Fancy hat. With a fancy hat, yeah, yeah. And, and more organic shapes. And, and then we get, we get to the halflings. And again, it, it's that aesthetic of what does a Galarian halfling look like? We know what halflings look like. We know what halflings look like in Tolkien. We know what halflings look like in D&D. But we needed something just a little bit different. But something that's still red as a mm -hmm. halfling. So we came up with these kind of like a like an a turnip head shape, you know. So it's, it's kind of like really really narrow chins with kind of like wider at the top. They've kind of got these big round sticky out ears. Uh, their mouths tend to be a little bit wider as well because I thought, well, they like food. So if they had <laughs> they had bigger mouths, they could like fit more in. Um, and in contrast to the gnomes, their eyes had to be kind of normal size or maybe a little bit small, kind of maybe a little bit closer together. It's just so that they couldn't be mistaken for gnomes, which is, which is what we found was happening. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, halflings and gnomes were, were being interchangeable. Um, so yeah, their, uh, their clothes are, again, a little bit different they they like decoration they like buttons and things like that um, but they like clothes that really really kind of cover them um, and their clothes are patched as well uh, so they make do and mend um, one of the things that we wanted with their items as well is their items had to be have that same kind of ergonomic feel to them but also that they'd be dual purpose. Uh, so here we have, and the idea is that, yeah, their swords, their, their handles unscrew, and there's like a little dagger in there, or maybe there's like a salt shaker or a pepper grinder <laughs> in there. Um, so their, their weapons have like little hidden blades inside, or they kind of like unscrew again. Um, the, the, mace, the maces look like rolling pins. It's so that, yeah, they're all there. And, and then once I started Googling um, cake uh, cutlery, then it just started bringing out all these wonderful, wonderful sort of like cutlery that I could go, yeah, it kind of looks like a dagger, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, so this this was this was a heck of a lot of fun. 
to design and kind of create these um, sort of dual purpose or multi-purpose weapons and items uh, that again the blades have a very very distinctive shape you know these kind of like leaf shaped blades with a little notch notches uh, cut into them and again we have their shields and their helmets you know so their helmets have like the little rings in there the shields have the little rings so that yeah they can just turn it upside down hook it onto a chain boil their soup in it and i don't know if you notice as well that the nasal piece has like a little spout in there so that they can kind of like tip it up and it goes into their bowls all nice and neat no <laughs> spillage because that's important for a halfling no spillage the uh, the handles of the shields they rotate so that it rotates around there you go you've got a pan handle within the shield brilliant you don't have to burn your hands and this 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 is this was a whole idea around halflings it's they, they're really really practical um you know they don't waste things they kind of use everything let's go to the next one oh, oh right. humans humans yeah <laughs> um and yeah we we kind of we've got well, so many different you, you first well my description to Wayne was, hey, we need a basic human. And he's like, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, just a normal, plain-looking human that we can take off as the base, and then we can add a lot of stuff to them. Um, so this is what Wayne gave us. And, you know, human's a human. So. But, but they're not, though, because... <laughs> Within within humanity, there's there's lots and lots of different mm. cultures. So, the the first one that you saw is kind of like a more northern kind of culture, whereas this pair here, these are kind of like a a more sort of high medieval culture. Uh, do we have do we have the next one? Okay, yeah, more high medieval culture. Um, and then, so that yeah, and then we just yeah, yeah yeah. And, and then we get the cool stuff, <laughs> which is because these are these are kind of like Chalexian, and again, they're human, but they're from a Pathfinder-specific culture. So we need Chalexians to look like Chalexians, where they can't they can't be mistaken for anything else. So right. when you see something like this, you go, "Oh, that's a Chalexian fighter." Um, and then you start getting into permutations and you start going, so so what does a Chalaxian dwarf look like? Um, and we've not, we've we not really, not do we? Because down that road lies yeah. madness. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you can see the Chalaxians, um, they kind of have a eastern feel to them, but at the same time it's kind of like an, an east meets west kind of feel so that, yeah, they, they like these sort of triangular van dyked kind of design ideas they like cloth uh, and layers of cloth and sashes um, they kind of have these sort of big hats with flat tops they were difficult to design <laughs> I went through so many hat designs going and going oh what if it was like this or this and it's like oh, it needs to be different <laughs> going to the next slide yeah and this this is this is actually one of my favourites. I really like this one. The thing about the Chalaxians is they're maybe a little bit demonic. Yep. You know, so we we wanted to kind of have that demonic feel 
to their clothing as well. Uh, and and <laughs> this, this is kind of like a five-pointed trident. I don't think you've done that before. <laughs> so, because I thought, did, did tridents always have to have three points? Could tridents have five points? Sure. They could. And more chalaxians. And, and more chalaxians. Um, you know, they, they've kind of got these really, really sort of wickedly shaped weapons with kind of like these jags and kind of odd shapes that just just look nasty. Yeah. Yeah, I like them. Oh, Burundians. I, I didn't know you were going to show these. Oh. This, this is great. <laughs> this is brilliant. Because uh, I've been wanting to talk about these for ages. Yeah. You just didn't get a chance. Mm -mm. Um and the, the, the Gurundian kingdoms are kind of like much further to the south from kind of like a much warmer climate. Um, and the inspiration for these came from kind of like the North African kingdoms. Uh, the, some of the stuff that, that they had is just absolutely mind-blowing. But again, they kind of like these uh, asymmetrical robes. Um, kind of like very very decorative borders um so that everything was yeah kind of almost kind of these leaf shaped or pod shaped weapons uh with very very simple designs on kind of very very aspect abstract designs uh, but still kind of going into an aesthetic and then is that the last one or do we have one more no no i'm gonna say i i, I did more grunts yeah. and this one has like Gurundian fiber armor. I really liked this idea where they kind of like just get a whole bunch of vines and fibers and start matting it, matting it together to kind of like, because I've seen these kind of like mats that, that they make and they kind of like use, they make them as shields and they started making armor out of them and they were pretty solid just as long as you didn't get them wet. <laughs> <laughs> but in a in a kind of like really dry climate, mm -hmm. they worked perfectly, and that was the idea. I sort of liked these sort of fibrous kind of armor pieces, and again, you kind of like you know they've got their sandals, they've got kind of like these skirts, ideal for kind of like a warmer climate. Um, and I I really enjoyed designing these. Uh, it was uh, yeah. Um, Can we do more? Sure. Sure. Can we do more? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe that's the last. Is that the last one? Slide. Yeah. Last All one. right. All right. So. So that was the um some, I think you did more than that, but there was that's just yeah. a taste of some of the concepts that uh, Wayne did for us for Pathfinder Two, and um, I mean overall, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just want to open it up to questions. If anybody have any questions on what um, what. The process was for going from Pathfinder One to Pathfinder Two, or any questions for Wayne. So, just open it up for any questions. Uh, there's a question from Twitch from Seven Laureate, uh, talking about what was that about goblin heads and sponges? <laughs> you want to tell it? Has, it? has anybody heard that story about how goblins came about? You should tell it. <laughs> okay. So, artists get inspiration from a number of places. This particular inspiration came when I was in the bath. And I'd got a sponge, like an oval-shaped sponge. And I was just goofing around, and I kind of like scrunched it in half like that to like make a mouth, and kind of like started going, 
I'm gonna kill you. And he's like, oh, whoa, if, if that had teeth in that, that'd be really, really scary. And that was where my inspiration came from, with the goblins. So goblin skulls, it's a sponge head. It's half a sponge with teeth in. I don't know if you look at the goblins, uh, their pictures, but their uh, facial structures, not human. So they don't, they don't have cheekbones. They don't have these bones that anchor the face on instead. They're kind of like their, their skulls are kind of like almost like shark skulls. So they have kind of like their, their cranium here, but their jaws detach completely, which is why they can kind of like open their mouths so wide. It's because their jaws aren't part of their skull. So all their muscle and fibers are all attached to this removable kind of upper and lower jaw. Hence, they don't have cheekbones. They just have these kind of folds of skin that kind of go back here around this kind of like removable jaw idea thing. And there we go. Well, so everybody, we're going to right now. If you actually, you actually want to ask a question or anything, you can go up behind the microphone. You wear the Twitch podcast. I'd ask a question, you can go ahead and ask them now. Hey, uh, can you all hear me? Okay, so um, in Pathfinder First Edition, goblins were not usually a playable race. They were typically just NPCs. Uh, how much updating did y'all have to do to create the playable goblin ancestry in Pathfinder 2 uh, for the art style? Did y'all make significant updates to the ancestry, or um, are they pretty similar? We did, we, would you say, well, to make, first? to make them playable, we had to... We've not included all the the goblin. No, I didn't. That that might be tomorrow. Yeah, because because <laughs> yeah, there's, he's there's, part of the iconics oh, now. Okay. So since he's a playable character, so we made him like like an official iconic player. So okay. he's probably going to be part of the part of the uh, conversation tomorrow. But we but, did um, we did like like you saw the loadouts for gnomish equipment and dwarven equipment. I did the same for goblins. Okay. So there's there's a whole piece of artwork. Well, there's a few pieces of artwork out there that has you know kind of like goblin weapons, goblin okay. maces, you know, kind yeah. of goblin spears, and kind of the sort of stuff that 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 they use. It's kind of like very very goblin like okay. uh, and uniquely Pathfinder. So that when you look at it, you go, okay, yeah, that's a goblin shuriken, you know, and stuff like that. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Hey there. Hey there. Um, so I wanted to know how much of this exploration and, and concept art goes to the other artists and how do you communicate with them and how do you finally uh, give this amazing um, exploration, basically, and definition of, of the world of Pathfinder to the other artists and, the and, and how do this impact, I don't know, if you need... Uh, to make, a, I don't know, a, a dwarven house or a dwarven uh, cart or stuff um, like that. Well, we haven't really gone into the like the world of dwarves yet. Most of you've done like the look of what the dwarves have, what they look like. But for other artists, like we keep all this concept art, and when they get an assignment for me to draw a dwarf, I'll just give them all that Wayne has drawn for us to them, so they get inspiration from that as well. Um, and then if you know they try to be on point, like mo most of our art has all uh, the characters have a lot of equipment, 
and they carry all their stuff with them because they're going adventuring and stuff. So if a illustration comes back, kind of like, you know, light equipment kind of stuff, I'll send it back and say, hey, can you add a little more stuff to make it match to what we have from the reference that we sent you? All right, thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Do you have a favorite design, be it like uh, weapons, equipment, monsters, characters, uh, from what you've done with Pathfinder so far? And if so, what would it be? Um, it's probably the Chalaxian. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really liked. Uh, I really, really, yeah. It's, and, and, once, and once you start, once you come up with an idea or a theme, it, it's... It's really, really easy to keep on running with it until, you know, Sarah goes, "Okay, we've we've got enough there. Kind of, kind of do something different now." I think that's true with the um, gnomes and halflings because we got a lot of gnomes and halfling concepts, whereas you know we got a few humans, but we did. He like gave me sheets of gnomes and halflings, <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I think you had a lot of fun with these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they they lent themselves to it, so. We have another question from Twitch from Elftaroth. Uh, um, this is for Wayne. Uh, is there any monster design from Tui that you're most proud of? Any monster design? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. I didn't design. I didn't really design any monsters for Tui. Oh, we well, did the kobold. Yeah, kobolds. Cobalt. That was difficult. Hey, Wayne. We want you to design a new kobold. Right. Don't make it look like anything. Yeah, else. yeah. It can't look like a kobold that you know. Damn it! <laughs> and because my fa my favorite kobold is the one that Tony Dittalizzi did, and and when I when I draw kobold, I, I that would be my my kind of go to design. So getting that out of my head was that was tricky because it is such a brilliant piece of artwork. Um, so having to having to create. A new a new, a new kobold that looks like a kobold, <laughs> kobold, and something completely different to something that I really, really liked. Um, I think we we ca I came up with quite a few variations, mm -hmm. and we we kind of narrowed it down to oh, smaller tail, longer tail, bigger head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that was a tricky one. That really was a tricky one. Um, but I I hope you all like the look of. <laughs> Pathfinder 2 Kobolds. <laughs> um, right on the heels of the uh, monster designs, I was wondering about the changes you've made to Red Dragons that we can see on the cover. Uh, like, could you elaborate on some of what made you go with like the this different face structure for uh, the it's, monster? It's the same dragon as Pathfinder 1. Oh, uh, the... The Red Dragons I, I remember seeing in Pathfinder 1, they have like uh, very heavy spikes like all down the back. I don't know if that was one of your designs. Oh no, so that was done by another artist. So we did the, we um, uh, kind of redid the dragons a little bit. So that was from another artist, which then I gave, so it was different. <laughs> Someone else did the run and then yeah. gave it to Wayne for the um, um, I mean, But they're still similar. Yeah. Like. yeah, different artists have different takes on things and it, that's, that's not a bad, if anything, it's, it's a pretty good thing. Uh, because you you get that sort of creative vibe and that individuality and an artist's individual creativity you know adding to the uh the whole idea you know so it, it just sort of like adds as long as it sort of remains within the parameters 
you know, sort of a red dragon still kind of looks like a red dragon. Yeah. And just great, you know, it. just a variation on it. It, it works for me anyway. It's... <laughs> I think that's a good segue for my question. Uh, I was going to ask, when you're looking to hire freelance illustrators that are coming in to work in Wayne Reynolds' style, is so prolific throughout Pathfinder, how much do you look for similarities in the portfolio or the work of the freelance that you're in contact with? I mean, do you look for like, oh man, this guy looks like Wayne Jr. or he looks like he can handle details pretty well and it could be cool, I mean like. Um, so I know I'm never looking for like Wayne Jr. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah Wayne, Wayne Sr. is just he's enough our, to he's, handle. He's enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, when we're looking for new artists, we look for people that will fit into Pathfinder. Um, the render style and the um, overall uh, creativity as well because what I look for is for people who come up with their own kind of world and kind of stuff because it's more creative whereas with I see a book that has a lot of um, Star Wars or like Lord of the Rings kind of stuff that you know that's you have tons and tons of reference for that but then I don't really see your creativity for uh, unique characters and that's what with what Pathfinder has is tons of unique characters, and that's what kind of what I'm looking for is more creativity than, and also you're like within your, you're within our style as well. So creativity is like one of my main things that I look for, and for other artists. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, what race from first edition would you like to see become an iconic so that you can explore it more? Mm. I don't know. There's, there is, there's quite a few. Um, I, I quite, I quite liked uh, the 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 kind of black skinned winged. Uh, is it? Oh, the strict. Strix? Strix. Yeah, yeah. So I managed, I managed to do a a piece for one of the adventure paths, and I'd started to go down that route, which I do with a lot of things. Is I start thinking, so what? What's their culture like? You know, what what sort of things do they wear? And and I'd kind of hit upon that they're like a magpie culture, so they they essentially just steal from lots of other cultures. So you'd kind of get these Strix walking around, you know, with sort of like dwarven swords <laughs> and kind of like halfling helmets and kind of like chillaxian sort of like belt buckles and things like that and they just all sort of like mix and match it together so you'd get like this hodgepodge of these kind of like really sort of crazy people walking around you know flying around um and i just sort of like i liked the the body structure as well yeah. i think I, I think i want to play around with that just a little bit more uh i certainly something and I, I quite liked that avian aspect to them as well just something, yeah. Oh, this is something a little bit different. Something I like. I'd like to play around with a little bit more. Um, so yeah, new creatures are always they're always fun. Hi. Hi. I noticed uh, looking at the second edition uh, playbook, uh, the playtest one. I don't have the new. Um, that uh, it seemed like you guys were trying to be more inclusive and diverse with your characters and that that was a big part of your direction. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, that influenced your process coming out with second edition? Well, I think for first edition of Pathfinder, that was always our goal. Um, 
and we're just gonna try and continue that into um, uh, second edition and we have a lot of people on our staff that are really um, an advocate for that so we have a lot of like beginning from like freelance writers to the developers to our editors to art people and even basically whole company Paizo is really an advocate of um, making inclusive for everyone and it's going to be something that we continue till you know end of time you know yeah so um yeah I agree Brilliant. Great, thank you. <laughs> that's 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 one that's one of the things that that was that was particularly important to me, in the the the, the depiction of of women within fantasy, um, and it, it's it become apparent that that fantasy and Pathfinder was getting more and more female players. That that fantasy is no longer the the kind of the the realm of you know white dudes. Um, the audience is becoming diverse, and, and and we need we need representation within fantasy. So I would I would ask when I'd come here to GenCon, I'd ask female players, and I'd say, what what do you what do you want to see? Because because I'm I'm a dude, you know, I don't have a, I have a dude's perspective on it, so I needed a female perspective. So I'd I'd ask, and and across the board, they said we want we want more representation we want different body types we don't want to see this is we don't mind kind of like you know the the supermodel but we want to see women of different shape because women come in different shape men have one body shape dude <laughs> uh, but women have four different distinct body shapes um, so they wanted that diversity within female characters and and I like I like messing around with with body shapes I like that kind of thing so I was more than happy to be able to it, in a lot of respects for me it was kind of like giving me a green light to to do that mm -hmm. um and be allowed to sort of do that cuz cuz gaming's for everybody you know it's yeah and that usually comes so the developers will um write the descriptions for us and then um so they're they're the ones that give us the descriptions and then we all around board like we try to add different um elements well that's different um to make it more diverse for everybody so then if we get an illustration that's you know she's very highly highly over sexualized we'll say hey can you cover up her up a little bit because you know you don't need that all the time <laughs> no yeah i agree yeah, and, and and similarly with with ethnicity as well. You know the the you know, kind of like if you're gonna illustrate a black person, that they're not kind of like freaking jungle kings and queens. You know the that that sort of ideas. That's that's let's consign that to the. Uh, no, there we go. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> You know, my my favorite iconic character is Sela because she's kind of I I love that sort of contrast with the dark skin on the white armor. Um but I like the fact that yeah, she's wearing sort of like eh, kind of European style armor. Uh I sort I like that juxtaposition juxtaposition of the two kind of like well more than two elements and it's kind of like all coming together. It's 
what makes Seal my favorite. Yeah, she's, she's very popular. Yeah, yeah. We have another question from Twitch from Almighty Ra. Uh, what are some of the features that you think make Half-Blood races feel unique, like half-elves or half-orcs, like artistically? Ah, am I allowed to talk about this? Sure. We kind of played down the half-races a little yeah. bit, didn't we? I think they're, I think they're part of your ancestry now. Yeah, like that. yeah. So, and then you can take half orc and half elf elem, um, feats or something. I'm sorry, I'm not a big on the rule stuff, but um, we we just deal with just, the pictures. Yeah, they're yeah. still in the game, but they're not really prominent. And we Wayne did do some half elf and half yeah. orc concept yeah. for us. Yeah, exa exactly. I mean, it's. it's it's one of the things I say that yeah, if a if a Pathfinder elf has kind of got human looking eyes or their ears are just only slightly pointed, well, you've kind of got a half elf there, not an elf. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the orcs are kind of similar as well. The orcs uh kind of like have that sort of halfway. Yeah. But you have to decipher half half elves and half orcs is like what what side are they taking? Like, are they going to yeah. take the human side or are they going to take the orc side? So you kind of kind of have to decide what route to go on that. Yeah. And there's no kind of visual, there's no hard and fast rules because you can get variations within the ancestry. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, you know, are they only slightly elvish? You right. Know? Are they only slightly orcish or are they kind of like, you know, really, whoa, you, you're almost an orc there. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Hi. Hi. Uh, so I see you have like like there was a big point of having characters with a whole lot of equipment on them and because they're adventures and all that. And I saw all of the different kinds of like weapon sheets and whatnot. Um, what is your like favorite kind of equipment to like play around with in the designs or like is there a specific like style like as the various racial styles that you like playing around with? I guess. Um, Which one's I, your favorite? Effectively, I, I don't really, I don't really have a favorite type. I mean, yeah, designing weapons and armor is always fun, um, and and I and I use weapons and armor as a starting point uh, because that's that's the kind of most ubiquitous and, and easily accessible aspect of equipment design. And then once you start to work out, okay, so this is what pommels look like, and this is what the blade shapes look like, and you start putting. Uh, design values onto them, then you can start transposing those onto kind of common items. You know, kind of like, all oh, right. So, what do their pouches look like? You know, kind of what do, what do their clothes look like? So, you're starting to apply that design aesthetic through, um, and it's all part of that creation process. But one of the things that I wanted to point out as well, it just occurred to me. I mean, yeah, a lot of the characters have a lot of stuff. And at first it it was it was a bit of a visual pun on, you know, you get your character sheet and you get your equipment list. I mean, how long is your equipment list? You know, especially when you get to 17th level. You know, how many rings do you have? How many potions do you have? You know, it's they don't all go in your bag of holding, you know. <laughs> Where does that kind of like 50 foot of rope go? Or that 10 foot pole? You know, that's... So I worked it all out. I kind of went, okay, well, 
this this is where this this is where his potions would be and this is where her rings would be and then I did a little bit more research into kind of like historical loadouts and things like that and discovered that for soldiers on campaign, that's not far from the truth in that, yeah, you're carrying all your worldly goods and medieval people don't have pockets. So everything goes into pouches and rolls and things like that and bags so that, yeah, you need these sort of like multiple items, you know, like your bedroll and things like that. Where are you going to put things like that? So I worked it all out. So, yeah. Good question. So um, this is from an art director's stand, or a question towards the art direction. Um, so this is a process that works. You have writers, and then the writers. Then it's a matter of like sorting through the writing and creating images and directing artists towards that writing. How does that you... Um, and that's how it usually works. But in an ideal situation, how would you kind of prefer it? Like, you know... When does the writing happen? When does the art? When is the art made? How would be the best way to work with that? Um, well, my preferred way is we get the art in first, and then the writers would write to that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm trying to change, but it's very hard. It's very hard to have writers change. So, um, change, change changing how they write because. Um, yeah, it, it would be so much easier if we had the art and then, you know, give that art to the writers so they already know what they're supposed to write about instead of backwards where, you know, we get the words and it's really long, we got to copy fit it and blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, so getting the art first would be super great. <laughs> Is that it? Is it? Oh, yeah. we're good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all thank for you coming. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope it was informative. And remember, Wayne's at the Paisa booth to sign your books and stuff like that, so. Thank you. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with Sarah, the art director over at Paizo. That must be a really exciting job, sort of pulling all the little puppet strings about the different art because it, Pathfinder and, you know, Paizo and Pathfinder products are famous for anything. It's the fantastic art. Uh, what sort of things do you look for when you're looking for artists and, and, and the things you're going to put in products? Well. So getting the art is one of probably one of the best parts of this whole industry because okay. um, a lot of my coworkers are super excited when they get um, when we get the art in the yeah. sketches and they really just want to like crowd around my oh, desk sure. and look at it. Um, so when I'm looking for new artists, it's just basically you know if it fits into our world mm -hmm. and especially what the creativity is because we give very short descriptions mm -hmm. and one of the things about Pathfinder and um, why artists want to work for us mm -hmm. is because we give them a of freedom oh good yeah um i mean we maybe give them like two or three sentences of what has to be in it oh wow and then they get you know freedom to do whatever they want just to make it look into a, into our path on the world so so you're saying that when i write like an adventure or something and there's an art order that goes out on an npc i created the artist is only going off a couple like sentences of description to, to guide them yes that's it's, really great yeah because i mean it, and that's why I think people like Pathfinders because you know it's very diverse. Um, we have I have used tons of artists, so what their interpretation of what you know the words were would be different from another different artist, but still in the same world. So, um, and I think that's why people like Pathfinder, and I think that's why a lot of people want to work with Pathfinder, so they don't have a big long list that they have to follow. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my other question then. So when you have a larger book, you obviously have multiple artists working on different aspects. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, when working with all these artists that have so much freedom, how do you keep the art looking consistent enough so that way it doesn't look too wildly different? Or is that something that you're going for, is like all these different artistic interpretations? No, um, so for the bigger book, we will try to, I will try to find the artists that have like more of a um, same look to them. Same look, okay. Um, but not so much saying that, you know, it's like going to be kind of boring. But sure. I mean, like I said, like we can go off the rails a little bit, mm -hmm. but we have to stay within our parameters. So okay. then... Um, so those do have a, a few parameters, yeah. a few constraints, just to make sure it stays consistent. Yeah, like okay. I'm, I would like never use a comic book artist for a Pathfinder. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. So the, the style needs to be the same, but yeah. So what has been your favorite piece of art that you've been able to like order and commission and get back and go, oh my gosh, this looks crazy, this looks great? Um, well, almost every cover from Wayne, because okay. you know, we give them basically one sentence description. Really? Yeah. So for the cover of um, the Core Book, we just say, hey, uh, Wayne, uh, I think it's Sila and uh, Kira fight a red dragon mm -hmm. in a dungeon. Oh, okay. And that was basically it. And then so... Um, but I think the GM screen mm -hmm. um, was great because it's like four different images, but oh, yeah. still one main picture. Yeah, that is really true. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. That's really cool. And um, I think the GM screen was a really good one. And um, most, yeah, anything, <laughs> like I said, anything that Wayne comes up because, okay. you know, it's basically just one sentence. Very yeah, he's very talented. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming back here and giving us some insight into how art works with the Pathfinder and Paizo and how you do all that. That's great. really wonderful. Thanks Thank so much. You. Up next is Secrets of Galarian. And that was part of No Direction's 2019 Gen Con seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. If you'd like to find more great content like this, go to nodirectionpodcast.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for making content like this possible. If you'd like to support the network and see that future content is created, you can do so at patreon.com slash nodirection or click on the Patreon link at nodirectionpodcast.com.